Well, good morning. We are glad that you've joined us today, and we're thankful that you took some time this morning to be with us. Uh, we've had a couple of little technical glitches this morning. We've, I think we have ironed out, um, but we are glad that you chose to be with us uh, today. We're starting a new series. It's called The Beatitudes in Uncertain Times. And so if you have a Bible with you, we're going to be going through Matthew chapter 5, uh, the first couple of verses, although we're going to read the Beatitudes today together. And uh, we are doing something a little different. Those who have been joining us for the last few weeks, rather than Scott and I tag-teaming the entire uh, time today, I'm going to do a little bit of talking about the Beatitudes and about specifically the first two that really become one um, Beatitude. And then he's going to join me in a few minutes uh, if you have questions or comments or you want to engage, we still want to have an opportunity to engage, um, but we're going to do it a little differently this morning. So continue to put your comments in, continue to uh, you know, ask questions if you want, and, um, and Scott's going to be on top of that, and then he'll join me in a few minutes. If you are on YouTube Live, we are only monitoring comments from Facebook Live uh, because we can't do two things at one time here. Uh, which is just the way that it is. So if you want to comment, jump over to, to Facebook. I don't think you have to have an account in order to watch. Um, you can find that link on our homepage as well. Uh, you can also find several things there. You can find a link both to Facebook and YouTube. We'd love for you to become a subscriber. Uh, you can also find links to to version, which is what we normally use in-house when we are all together um, and we have all the song lyrics, and we have uh, all my notes and things that I'm going to be talking through there. If you want to follow along, you'll notice you can't do two things at one time either. Uh, so you'll have to have two devices to really make that work or do it on a desktop where you can split your screen. Um, you can give online if you would like. There are also on our homepage several opportunities if you are in need of help or if you are offering help to others. Uh, you can find those there as well as submit prayer requests uh, and you can do that anytime. You can submit a prayer request through there. You can tell us whether you want that to be anonymous, and um, we'll be praying for you. So we are going to begin with Matthew chapter 5, verse 1. And the reason we wanted to do this uh, series right now is because we are certainly in uncertain times, are we not? Uh, we're not certain what's happening the next day, the next week, the next month. Uh, and sometimes we're not even certain what we're going to do in the next few minutes uh, some of you, like myself, uh, yesterday I hit a wall. Uh, we've been doing this now for about five weeks, and in, in all honesty, we've got it pretty. We've got a pretty good situation at home. We've got um, a, a family that we enjoy being together. Um, we are both working from home, and we're trying to homeschool. Uh, but we've got a pretty good situation. We, are, we can do whatever we want around the house, but there are a lot of people that that's not the case. Uh, last weekend, we experienced some terrible storms in Chattanooga, and some of you have been affected by that. Either you lost power, you lost your home. Uh, some of those in our congregation have lost family members. So uh, this is an uncertain time, and we're not all exactly sure what we're supposed to be doing or what we're supposed to be doing next. And, and what's going to be very interesting to watch over these next few weeks is that, that most psychologists will tell us that it takes 30 days of a new behavior before that behavior becomes habit. And now we are five to six weeks in on this type of a rhythm of life, and you're probably setting into some interesting rhythms as well. Or maybe like me yesterday, you kind of hit a wall. I, I hit a wall. I was done. I didn't want to do anything. I didn't want to talk to anybody. I just, I think the, the whole five weeks just hit. Then I was for the most part in a coma yesterday, just needing a break, needing to process, needing to rest. And we want in this time to not only have opportunities where we, we fully live into those moments, but we also can talk about some of the anxieties and fears and some of the, the frustrations and the discouragements that we're facing whether you've been working towards a goal and this has completely derailed your goal. Maybe you're not working and that's completely derailed your finances. Or maybe you're the kind of person who needs to be out among people and, and you're among either the same people or maybe you're living by yourself at home and you're thinking, I'm just, 
I'm done <laughs> with all of this. Jesus has so much to teach us about how to live life, but also how to live life in crisis, that we wanted to talk through what is Jesus' longest sermon, the Sermon on the Mount, his most well-known teaching, and, and a complete teaching for what does it look like to have a full, happy, and in the Beatitudes especially, blessed life when everything still can be going wrong around you. One of the things that we sometimes do when we're trying to share the gospel with people is we don't exactly share it in honesty. We say things, and maybe you've heard these things, that, that perhaps if I become a Christian, then God will make sure nothing bad happens. And yet it doesn't take long to be a follower of Jesus to find out that is not the case. Bad things still happen, even to the most faithful followers of Jesus. So how do we understand his teaching? How do we understand in this time what it looks like to fully live in joy, even when all the circumstances around us are out of our control, and we ourselves are struggling to work through it? As we enter into this chapter of Matthew, what we find is that what Jesus is doing is he is going around and teaching and performing miracles and drawing people, and a crowd's come around him. And so he, he goes off onto a mountain, and he begins to teach. And he begins to say things to these people who are searching and asking these questions. Who are you? Are you Messiah? Can you help us? Can you do something for us? I, you seem to have this amazing ability to do things, but can you do something for us? And as he be, begins to teach them, this is how he starts off this incredible message that I think has much to say to us over these next few weeks. It says in Matthew chapter 5, beginning with verse 1, Seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth... And taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers. For they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Now, as I read through these, Perhaps you read them the way I do. I'm good with some of these. I'm okay. I, I think these are great, and I want to aspire to those. Some of these I'm not so sure about. I'm not so sure I want to be blessed because I'm mourning. I'm not so sure uh, I, I want to be meek. That's not something that's often wired into us that we want to be meek. I, I, I could be merciful. I think that's good. And, and hungering and thirsting for righteousness, that's good. And, and being pure in heart, well, I mean, that's a great goal. I think that would be great. And, and being a peacemaker, but I'm not sure I want to be persecuted. But what's interesting is as we kind of go through these, what we find is that what Jesus is trying to say goes, <clears throat> excuse me, goes against really all the ways that we function naturally. And what he's trying to say is that we can be blessed, but we have to see the world differently. And it doesn't mean that our circumstances have to change or our events have to change, but sometimes we ourselves have to change to experience what it really means to be blessed. So to, to kind of get it out of the way and to make sure that we're all on the same page, that leads us to a very important question through the Beatitudes, and that is this, what does it mean to be blessed. And maybe in the comments you'd like to just tell us what you think it means to be blessed. And I know what I think it means to be blessed. In a social media world, I think we've kind of obscured the whole meaning of blessed, hashtag blessed. What does that mean? Like I, things are good. Things are just good. I think when we normally use that word, I'm blessed, or 
we're hashtag blessed. And what we're saying is uh, life is, is pretty good right now. I'm pretty happy. I mean, things are going well. I, 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 things are good. But what's interesting is that Jesus seems to point us in a direction to say that that's not really what I'm talking about because blessing means something more, something further. And, and blessing does, as we, if we look through the Old and New Testament, blessing really has two you know, key ideas, key meanings. One is certainly just unbelievable, intense, uh, incomparable happiness. There is just this sense that I'm just happy. I am whole. I am full. I am joyful. And, and, and that is an idea of blessed. But there's another side of being a blessing that makes all the rest of this make more sense. And that is that our blessing is also our consecration. Now, when we see the word consecrated in Scripture, when it means to be consecrated, it means that you are set apart or you are sacred. When you are sacred, that means that you are set apart as holy or you are dedicated to God. So the, the idea of blessing is unbelievable happiness as we are set apart for something that is holy and we are dedicated to God. That is when Scripture talks about blessing, that's what he's talking about. So as we understand this idea of bless, what Jesus is saying is that unbelievable happiness is inseparable from being intimately connected to and with God. That's what it means to be blessed. So if I'm on vacation and I'm on the beach and I take a selfie and I say hashtag blessed, that's great, but that is fleeting, isn't it? Right now, we would probably rather take selfies just in a, in a restaurant sitting down and eating, wouldn't we? <laughs> or going to our favorite places or hanging out with our friends or, or getting a big family gathering together so that we can all be in the room together and we can hug each other and actually spend time face-to-face. That, that may be our hashtag blessed. We kind of, some of us took that for granted, that we're not taking it for granted now. But a blessing, the kind of blessing that Jesus is talking about is the kind that no matter what your circumstance, whether you're at home and you've got to get out of that house, or, or whether you've just lost your job, you've been laid off, or whether you're sick and you're not sure, is this coronavirus or is this something else, or someone else is. Despite those circumstances, we ourselves can be blessed. Because we can be connected to God in ways that are incredible. He unpacks this in nine ways, and we're going to go through them in eight weeks. So today we're going to do the first two because the first two kind of go together. Uh, the second beatitude is probably one of the most confusing. Blessed are those who mourn. I don't know about you, but I've never mourned and been thankful for it. <laughs> I, I've never mourned the loss of something and thought, you know what? This is, I'm really happy right now. So when we begin to unpack what he's saying, we have to take them together and we have to begin to understand that Jesus is talking about something much bigger than simple loss. He's talking about something much bigger than simple comfort. God is talking about something that impacts us forever and it impacts us to our very core, our very soul, our very being. Because while you don't have to be happy with the circumstances in which we're living right now, your soul can be at peace. You can experience happiness and joy, even if you're not happy with what's going on around us. So how do we do that? How, how does that happen? As we uh, read, kind of read through Jesus' teaching, and if you're new to Jesus' teaching, one of the things that Jesus consistently taught about and taught to were the sick and the poor. They were on his mind regularly. So our, our first uh, beatitude says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And the second one, blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Jesus was acutely aware of the plight and the mindset of the poor. In fact, we read several places in Scripture uh, that he directly not only addresses the poor, but he holds them up at, into this place to sometimes be desired. 
He says in Luke chapter 4, verses 18 and 19, this is a, a prophecy uh, of the coming Messiah that Jesus is reading, saying, I am the fulfillment of this prophecy. This is what it says from Isaiah. This is actually, I'm reading Luke 4, but the passage is from Isaiah. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. In other words, I am here because the poor need good news. Now, I don't know where you fall on economic you know, levels of poverty, but a lot of people struggle right around the level of what it means to be poor. And, and I remember what it's like to be poor. I remember uh, when Deidre and I first got married, and if we needed to come up with 20 bucks for something, it was like, well, we're going to have to create a plan to save that up. And then we started doing a little better. Then, oh, we need 50 bucks. Oh, we're going to have to create a plan to, over several months to come up with this extra money, $100. Oh, my goodness. How are we going to come up with $100? It's going to take us months to, to save that kind of money. I, there's a different mindset when you're just barely making it There's an even different mindset when you're not making it. And Jesus was aware that the way people think when they are poor is different than when they have everything covered with no fear. This is one of the reasons Jesus is going to talk later about anxiety, because our anxiety often comes into play because we're afraid of something. Those who are poor struggle to take care of themselves. When someone brings over a meal and you're poor and they say, hey, I ordered you a meal and I brought it to you, you you think, wow, this is the best thing ever. Or or if you get to go buy something, you know, you really think about it. I've got just a a little bit of money here. What am I going to spend it on? I've got to really think about this. But there's also a dependence because you know you're, gosh, I'm just right on the verge. Am I going to make it? Am I not going to make it? See, a lot of us aren't struggling with that reality financially, though some are, but we're struggling with that in in a soul level within our hearts. Am I going to make it? Am I not? Our introverted friends are, 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 are enjoying this time. They're just glad everyone's leaving them alone. Our extroverted friends are thinking about killing their introverted friends and vice versa, right? So we're, we're all trying to decide, are we going to make it? This, this poverty that Jesus talks about, he goes on. And, now, this is Paul, in, uh, or excuse me, James 2, verse 5, says this. Listen, my beloved brothers, has not God chosen those who are poor in the world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom, which he has promised to those who love him? Sounds very similar to this beatitude, does it not? He's chosen the poor to be rich in faith and heirs to the kingdom in which the the beatitude is, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. He has this teaching of Jesus in mind. It's a different mindset of of the poor. But, But this is a different kind of poor. This isn't the kind like I'm not sure I can pay my bills. He says this is poor in spirit. You're blessed. You have this unbelievable happiness and joy as you are identified with God and set apart to be with him. But you do that when you're poor in spirit. So what does it look like to be poor in spirit? And I think there are three kind of three groups of people that kind of get this or or two that get it and one not so much. If we look at those who know Christ, and are passionate believers of Christ. That's one group. Those who reject all things of God and just say, I, I don't believe in any of it. I, I don't want to follow Jesus. I don't believe any of this stuff. That's, that's group number two. Group number three would be, uh, so yes, God's real, I think. I, I want to trust in Jesus in case it's all real, but I really want to still kind of direct my own life. Because one of the things I've learned about following Jesus is he directs me often in different directions than I would direct myself. 
And that, that third group really wants to kind of sit somewhere on the line and say, well, I want to have all the God stuff, but I want to have all the, the me stuff too. And I think that's the group that struggles the most to understand what he's saying, being the poor in spirit, or, or maybe not just understand it, but to live it out. See, the group that just rejects Jesus and says, ah, this isn't real. Those are just for weak people. They need a crutch. I, those people just can't make it on their own. They kind of get the poor in spirit, but not in the sense that Jesus tells them. They get it in the sense of how they want to live their life. I don't want to be poor in spirit. I want to be wealthy in spirit. This is where we begin to talk about our self-esteem and our self-reliance and our independence and the ability to do things for ourselves. I want to do it all on my own. I don't want to count on anybody because people will let you down. I'm going to take care of this for myself. That group gets poor in spirit because it's exactly what they don't want. The third group, that group that says, I want a little of each. They're not really the poor in spirit. I've heard it said before, and I think it's kind of funny, but it's a little bit true. They're kind of the middle class in spirit. It's the group that says, I want, I want some of God. I want some of this, and, and, and whatever i got to do that won't cost me too much, I will do that. And if that's going to church or maybe giving a few dollars to a, a ministry or a nonprofit at some point, I'll do that. And if it means I read my Bible every every few months or years, or if I show up to church every a couple of times. That's kind of the, the middle class in spirit. I, I, want, I want to believe and I want to trust God, but ultimately I'm going to trust myself because I can rely on myself more. This group struggles to understand the concept of poor in spirit, but the person that understands it the most is that who has traveled for years, as a faithful follower of Jesus who has grown in their faith and they have matured and they recognize the more I rely on myself, the more I don't have this joy and happiness, this blessing that I'm really seeking. Instead, I often have a lot of disappointment and discouragement. Whenever I was a, a, a young, uh, I was a child, uh, we went to church every week, but I didn't become a believer when we first started going to church because I was, I was a baby. My parents always went to church. And there was a moment in which I felt like I'm okay because mom and dad go to church. I go to church. I'm good. I'm okay. I'm covered. I didn't understand. I wasn't fully able to, to know exactly what it meant to, to follow Jesus. And then I, I got a little older, and I began to, to listen more and read more, and I began to understand more. And I recognized there's something different about following Jesus in the way that the Bible talks about it and, and just me going to church and att attending activities and doing religious stuff. So it all came to a head at one point that I still remember it, even though it's been a long time. I still remember waking up one day and recognizing, I just feel empty. Home is good. Relationships are good. School is good. I'm not worrying about, you know, where I'm going to eat next. I may be worrying about what, am I, what do I get to get next, but I'm not worried about the basics. I've got a home. I've got a roof. I've got food to eat. I've got parents who love me. I, I've got, you know, uh, a, a sister who, who's a good friend. What do I need? But there was a sense of emptiness in me. Maybe you know what that emptiness feels like. Maybe you're feeling that emptiness right now. And I remember in that emptiness, I, the thought that kept coming into my mind was, I don't, I don't like this. I don't want this. And it was then that I finally sat down and really read Scripture, and I, I prayed. And my prayer began something like this, God. This is Mark, love, right here. I don't know if you remember me. Literally, in my mind, said that in my prayer to God, as if God was confused about who, the, who's that guy? I don't remember him. As if he was confused about who I was. And yet my emptiness demonstrated, I don't feel like we are connected at all. I'm doing this all on my own, and I'm not experiencing wholeness. And I couldn't have articulated that, but, but now as I look back, I, I'm not whole. 
I'm not whole. This is the idea of poor in spirit. Not that we're not whole, but that we recognize I cannot do this on my own apart from God, which is the idea of biblical blessing. That unbelievable happiness is tied to connection with God, not to what's going on around us, which is one of the reasons Jesus went to the poor, because they were less tied into their circumstances, because their circumstances weren't all that great. Now, the middle class of spirit struggle because they've got just enough to feel connected, but not enough that they don't feel empty still. And they're trying to fill it with all kinds of other things. But those who are following him and those who we would consider maybe mature believers, they have tapped into something that is overwhelmingly joyful. Knowing not just that God is real, but experiencing that on a daily basis. When we're going through quarantine, but we're okay because God has got us. What Jesus is saying is, the kingdom of heaven belongs to those who are poor in spirit, not, not poor financially. It's very important that we don't take this too far, and like, you, you can't be a Christian unless you're financially poor. But if we read through Scripture and we read it honestly, there were many people in Scripture that were not poor that accelerated the spread of the gospel. And then if we go back and we look at kind of the early church, there are many with means that spread the gospel. Wealth is not the thing that keeps you from knowing Christ, although it can. As Jesus said, it's, it's harder for a rich man to get into heaven than for a camel to go through the eye of a needle. Now, why is that? And it comes back to the idea of poor in spirit, because if I am not poor in spirit, if I am wealthy in spirit, I have high self-esteem, I can rely on myself, I can do this all by myself, I have no need of God. And wealth has a tendency to put us on that path. I got a job, and I earned that money. But wealth in and of itself, as we read through Scripture, is not evil. But it can take us away from that blessing, being poor in spirit. What I have found it means to be poor in spirit is, is that when everything, when nothing is okay, I am okay because I'm no longer relying on me. But we each have a different definition of what is okay. And I'm not going to ask you to comment on what you think is okay for your life because we'll probably get, however many people there are, there's going to be that many different answers. But for me, being okay and knowing God is in control and God is in charge, your natural question may be, well, how is God in charge of coronavirus? Why is he not just wiping it out? What does it mean for me to be okay? God's going to take care of me, and I we don't have coronavirus. That's what a lot of people would say, and, and it's natural to feel that way and to think that way, but yet we know that's not typically how God works. So for me, being okay means I have to let go of the idea that being okay means nothing goes wrong. I have to be okay when things go wrong. I have to have an understanding that things still happen that are bad in the world. And it's not because God doesn't love us. And it's not because God is not capable. It's because God is allowing us to experience a broken world because we broke it. And if he removed every problem from our lives, would we ever be poor in spirit in which we would cry out to God and say, God, rescue me, save me. God, I want to have a relationship with you. We are still paying the price for a broken world. And, and we hope in what Scripture tells us and what Jesus taught us was, well, there's another world coming. And it's going to be without all this brokenness. It's not here yet. But when it does come, it's going to be incredible. And yet, we have to be okay until that time comes. See, what does it mean to be okay when you lose your job? So it doesn't mean that you'd lose your job and go, oh, well, no big deal. 
but it means that you trust God's either going to provide something else or God's going to move me into something else that is going to take care of our needs. Now, our fear begins to come in because now we're afraid that we won't be able to continue in kind of the lifestyle that we enjoy if we've built a lifestyle that we enjoy. I might lose that. I might not be able to go out to eat as much. I might not be able to live in this nice house or, or drive a, a newer car. I may have to go buy a junker just to get to work. I don't want that. So that fear, that anxiety comes in and we say, God, why did you just not make, let me keep my job? Why would you take away my job? Or our health. What about those who have lost their lives in the tornado or because of sickness or any other reason that people are losing their lives right now because this is a fact of life. We understand as followers of Jesus, this is, this is part of being in a broken world. And there's a separation from this world and the next. And that separation, when we're tied to this world, it hurts. We struggle, especially when we watch somebody else die. But yet what he says is, I have another place. He told his disciples, when the last thing he told his disciples was this, I'm going to that other place. And I'm preparing a place for you. So that whenever it's your time to leave your place, I'm going to bring you to this place and it is going to be magnificent. It's the new heaven, the new earth that we read about. What we call heaven. And we trust that that is what God is doing and that we are going to escape this brokenness. But while we are here, God does allow us to go through it. That's what it looks like to be poor in spirit. I trust you. Now, Jesus knew people don't really like to be poor in spirit. Poor in spirit seems weak, unreasonable, painful. And so actually later on in the Sermon of the Mount, he's going to talk about what many of us are struggling with right now. And many of us, maybe even outside of this situation, we struggle with this. And, and that is, he, he's taught directly about what does it look like if you are feeling anxious, if you are overwhelmed with anxiety. How do we understand that and being blessed? And it ties in completely with what does it mean to be poor in spirit? This is, you find this in Matthew chapter 6. This is still the Sermon on the Mount, but, but later in this teaching and it says therefore i tell you don't be anxious about your life which you read those things those are some of the verses you read and you go yeah right can i <laughs> is that really possible but he's saying don't be anxious about your life what you will eat with i i find it interesting sometimes we read that as in like if i will eat but perhaps what he's suggesting here is what you will eat like if you have a choice what you will eat or what you will drink as if you have a choice. Nor about your body or what you'll put on because we do have a choice on what we wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than drink or more than clothing? Verse 26 says, look at the birds of the air. They don't sow nor reap nor gather into barns and yet your heavenly father feeds them. Are you not more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon, in all his glory, was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you? Oh, you of little faith, that is going to come in here in just a minute. Oh, you of little faith, therefore, don't be anxious, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Now, we read that, and so we sometimes read this with just, well, just don't be anxious. And, and if you tell an anxious person, you know what? Just don't. Just don't. They're going to look at you and probably walk away or they may hit you. I don't know. One of the two. Because sometimes anxiety is not something that we can just turn off, is it? 
Uh, you can turn off the news. That will remove a lot of your anxiety. But we can't just flip a switch and not feel anxious. Instead, what Jesus is saying here is we actually, actually have to change the way we think, and we have to change the way we see the world, and we have to begin valuing the things that really matter that won't go away rather than being worried about the things that could go away. Stock market is crashing. It's happening to my retirement. God's got you. You're going to be okay. What's going to happen with my job and just my ability to pay my bills? God's got you. You're going to be okay. What happens if I'm going to lose my house? You know what? God's got you. You're, you're going to be okay. But when our definition of okay is that I will never get sick, I will never lose my house, I will never lose my car, and I will never lose my retirement or my livelihood, if that's our definition of okay, then you're going to struggle to live within this world. Sometimes our definition is our own health. I'm scared to death I'm going to get sick or I'm going to lose some function of my body that I really value, which I value all the functions of my body, right? And what he is saying is, no matter what happens to you, understand that your most basic needs will be taken care of. And if in the end of this, you lose it all, just like Job did, you may or may not receive it all back, as Job did, but God has you covered. Now, if all of our greatest values are the things that we paid for with money, he doesn't promise he's going to give us all those back. But if the things we value, as Jesus talked about in his parables, being blessed, unbelievably happy, as you were dedicated to God, set apart to be holy, you can't lose that. You lose your health. You lose your life. God's got you because, you know what? There's a better place that he's preparing for you. And as we go through this, it doesn't mean that we just don't care about our house or we don't care about our car or we don't care about eating food, that we just somehow live this mindset of, of I'm just going to live with nothing. Like, I'm going to have nothing whatsoever. Scripture does talk about that as a calling, like as a specific calling to specific people. But he doesn't say that's what it looks like to follow him. Instead, what he says in these Beatitudes is, blessed are the poor in spirit, because they will inherit the kingdom of heaven. Because you found something that is far better than all the rest of this other stuff we're trying so hard to hold on to. I don't want to lose this. I want to hold on to this. Being poor in spirit means that we are powerless in ourselves. And more importantly, we are helpless before God. If Jesus is right, and historical evidence tells us that there's more evidence for all the writings about Jesus to be true than most of the people from that same period that we read about in history books that we assume to be true, if we follow that same line, then we must believe Jesus was real. Jesus did die on the cross. Jesus did walk out of the grave because literally he sparked a movement that spanned the known world at that time because people said it's true. If it is true, it means that whatever life we live here, even if I live a full hundred years, which I really hope I don't, but if I live a full hundred years, eternity with God is so much more than that. God's saying, I've got you in this, but you are helpless in and of yourself to get there, to experience this fullness. You're, you, are, you are destined to experience emptiness your entire life until you find this one truth, that knowing God and walking with him is the greatest treasure of your life. It means we're powerless and we're helpless before God. It means that we are spiritually and morally empty or bankrupt before him. I don't bring anything to the table with God, which I am so thankful this is true because if it was about me being good enough, I, I would not be able to make it. It means that we rely completely on God instead of our own abilities. And for those of us who have abilities, or those of you maybe that have abilities, I would just say this. Remember that God gave you those abilities. You may have done the work, and that is how God works. He, he gifts you, 
But then he expects you to do some work to develop them. And let's say you did, but he still gifted you the, the abilities to begin with. You have to develop them. But they are from God. And in all ways, we have to rely completely on him. Total reliance on God. He says this about the sick in Mark chapter 2. He says, those who are well have no need of a physician. But those who were sick, I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. And he's talking about me. <laughs> he's talking about you. I've, called, I've come to call the people that are morally and spiritually bankrupt without God. I'm here for you. I've come to get you. I, I, I want to tell you something that's going to change your life literally forever. I'm here for you. Jesus came, and when he entered into the world, which is what we celebrate at Christmas, he came to give us this blessing in the midst of the brokenness of this world, of which coronavirus is a symptom. It is not the cause. It is a symptom of a broken world. Jesus came in the midst of all of that so that we could be blessed. Now, with that, what, what he's saying, poor in spirit are, are going to um, inherit the kingdom of God. What he's saying that is you've got to rely on someone other than yourself, which is very uncomfortable, and especially those who are very capable. If you're going to rely on yourself, you're not going to make it. But if you rely on God, everything, the heavens themselves open up to you. Poor in spirit desperately need God. No matter how capable they are. You know, in the things that really matter, we are absolutely bankrupt. We need Him. And if we understand what the first means, that we are poor in spirit, it makes the second one make more sense. Rather than saying, blessed are the poor in spirit and blessed are those who mourn, because you know, where does that fit in all of that? What he's saying is when you are poor in spirit, you are going to naturally mourn. Therefore, it would, we could phrase it like this. Blessed are the poor in spirit who mourn. What are they mourning? What do we mourn when, when we're being blessed? And it's not that we mourn loss. It's that we mourn anything that disrupts our relationship with God. It's the idea of repentance. It's uh, We are sinners, and yet what God has done is he has given us a way to overcome that sin, a, a way to overcome it, in, in that he won't hold it over your head. He won't shame you for the rest of your life. He says, you're free. You are forgiven. This is what Jesus has done for us, and this is what it means to mourn that we recognize the sin in our lives and we mourn that thing which separates us from the greatest gift we have. If you were with us over the last few weeks when we talked about Genesis, what we find is that we are created in the image of God to walk with Him and to be with Him, and yet sin separated that, broke it. And Jesus came back to restore it. And while we experience some of that now, we don't fully experience that until we do die. And I think this is why Paul says, you know what? It's better for me to die and to go be with Christ and to be here with you. But right now, God wants me to be here with you, so I'll be here with you. It's not that he had a death wish. It's, it's, it's not that his life was so miserable here that he just had to end it. What he's saying is the thing that we have and the thing that is coming is so much better than anything in this world, in this broken world, I just, I'm ready for it right now. But that requires you coming to a place of being poor in spirit to say, you know what? None of the rest of this stuff really matters except how I understand walking with God through it. It's an incredible gift in which he is offering to give us. So we might read it like this. The unbelievably, unbelievably happy are the ones who are not relying on themselves and they mourn the things that separate them from God. That might be another way we could 
just translate that. I think we can do that because in Romans 5, Paul says this about our faith. He says, for while we were still weak, that's that poor in spirit, right? While we were still, we think we're strong. I want to think I'm strong. Deep down inside, I know I'm more fragile than I really want anyone else to know. And guys, you know that we are the best at putting on a facade of strength, even at times when we don't feel strong. For while we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. His love was to come and create the bridge for which we could find this blessing. I don't know where you are right now and in all of these uncertain times in which we are in, but if you're a follower of Jesus, You are not called to be fearful. We're called to be okay in the midst of it, even if that okay means we get sick. That's why Christians throughout history, they they tend to show up when bad things happen. (laughs) Whenever they need somebody to help in the hospital, Christians often are some of the first people there. I've been able to watch over this last week Christians who have jumped on the opportunity to call seniors at home that have nobody to check in on them. I've been able to witness people that jumped into the fray and into the areas damaged by the tornado, bringing their tools and, and, and risking themselves to care for those that are there. I've seen people open their homes to others. Christians go where there's tragedy. Because we recognize that that's just a symptom of a broken world. But we're okay because we have God. That's one of the reasons we want to bring him with us when we come. Because ultimately he gives us that hope and that freedom and that joy, even in the midst of great, great loss. We're going to be okay because we can trust him. Blessed are the poor in spirit who do not rely on themselves or their own strength or to figure things out in the way that will most benefit them. But blessed are those who recognize they have nothing before God and we are fully relying on him for true blessing, true happiness. Blessed are those who mourn and we will be comforted because God looks down and says, I see that you're mourning your own brokenness and your own sin and I see you are reaching out to me and I will comfort you. I'm not going to tell you, yeah, you are really bad. I'm not, God's not going to show up at your door and say, you know what? I think maybe you're a little too bad for what Jesus did. I'm not really sure it's for you. But no, he says, when you come to that moment of mourning and recognizing I need God to be the center of my life, you are comforted then. And this kingdom in which Jesus said was his kingdom in which he was building, it came when Jesus came. It's here. And it belongs to those who rely completely and fully on him. Our ultimate happiness is inseparable from complete dependence in Christ and in his resurrection. I hope that whatever struggles you're going through today, and and I I don't know what they are, I, I hope that you can find an opportunity to be full the way I did when I was younger. Whenever I asked Christ to be my Savior, that emptiness left and I've never had it again. I remember it, but I've never had it again. Things have gone well in my life. Some things have gone horribly wrong in my life. And yet through them all, I've been okay because God has been there through every one of them. And he wants to do that for you. Some of you may have asked questions, and Scott, I don't know if you have any questions or comments that you want to share with us, um, but we want to have an opportunity for you just to give some feedback or ask questions and that we can can respond to those. So I'm going to invite Scott to come up here. And while he's doing that, I want to encourage you, if you're not a, a believer or maybe you went to church a long time ago and, uh, and you, you're not sure about all this, I want you to know that even today what Jesus is saying is, I am here for you. I came for you. And I want to give you this life. I want to give you this blessing. I want this un- you to have this unbelievable happiness no matter what's going on in your circumstances. You can have that, and you can have that right now. And I, I want you to-, to pray with you in just in just a moment.
Yeah, we've got a lot of comments this morning. And I'm All sorry, right. guys. I have probably missed some of them trying to document how many we had and questions. Oh, wow. Um, the first one that we had this morning uh, that I documented was from Leslie. And it was, what does it mean to be blessed? And we've had a pretty good conversation online this morning about what it really means to be blessed. Is uh, One of them is being blessed without your circumstances changing is really something hard to think about. And that's yeah. from Murphy Leg. It's that we, we think that mm. the, those circumstances, we don't feel blessed in those times when, like this, do you feel blessed this morning that you're not here in church with us? Right, right. And so that's a very difficult thing. Yeah. Um, being blessed is feeling God's presence and guidance in my life from Rick Adams. So that's mm-hmm. a little different than we usually think about blessings. It's actually feeling God in our lives. Yes. Um, I love this from Melissa Porterfield. I feel guilty over saying I'm blessed because others may be suffering. Yeah. Boy, that's a good one. We had a couple of different people um, comment on that. Aaron Moore also said, I feel when I say I'm blessed, I'm shoving it down someone else's throat. Yeah. yeah and yeah. so that that's a difficult thing sometimes for us to reconcile being blessed and telling others and not almost feeling like we're holding it over them or, or look at me, I'm blessed. Yeah. You know, I think, I think there's good and bad in that. Anybody listen to, I think it's Dave Ramsey. I always said, how are you doing? I'm blessed and better than yes. I deserve and all of that. Well, Dave Ramsey's a multimillionaire. Yes. It's really easy for me to That's believe a- he's doing better than he deserves. But when I'm losing my job because of coronavirus, I don't feel blessed and better than I deserve. Yeah. You know, so it's, it's a little different context yes. there for and, us. And, and, and again, I, and I think we kind of beat this with as, as much as we can. Yeah. When we begin to, to separate blessing from our definition of, of like financial well-being or how comfortable our livelihood is or how little interruption we have in our lives, I can totally see that. Yeah. When we begin to understand blessing in the sense of, uh, in spite of all of that, I have this un- un- undeniable joy at just being with God. That's a different understanding of blessing. Yeah, Murphy Leg tagging on to that, says, I assume often if I'm not super happy, I'm not blessed. Yeah, yeah. The, we've talked about that a little bit. That's good. A difference between joy and happiness, but you know, we often think if I'm not happy, I'm not really being blessed in all of this. Um, but but the contrast to that is what Aaron Moore says: is being blessed means God is with me even when I don't feel Him, mm. and that's fantastic because yeah. a lot of times we don't feel blessed. Just like this morning, many of us don't feel blessed, but but God is with us, and that's where the real blessing comes. Um, a little bit about mourning here. Um, Aaron Moore again says. I mourn because I lost both my parents at a young age, and I'm still angry about this at times. But in my suffering, I knew God was with me. Mm-hmm. And that's where that previous statement came from of I didn't feel blessed, but I knew I was. Yes. I knew that God oh, was with me. Great, he was helping me to walk through those times. Yeah, great um, description. Yeah, Paul Schreiner still says, I'm still trying to figure out how to feel blessed when we're mourning. Mm-hmm. It's just not the natural feeling we come from. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Josh Eskridge gave us this one. God is the storm with us right now. God is in the storm with us right now, and we're clinging to his saving grace. And a little bit later on, Josh also shared this verse with us. Mightier than the thunders of many waters, mightier than the waves of the sea, the Lord on high is mighty. Mm-hmm. So that Good. that's that's telling us, backing up what Josh is saying there, sometimes the storm in our life is so loud that we don't hear God over the crashing of the waves, but he is louder than that if we'll listen for him. Yes. Uh, Ken Brown says, I don't think being blessed is a feeling. We're blessed whether we acknowledge it or not. And we've talked about that a little bit from some other comments that it's not the feeling of it. And we're blessed whether we realize it or not. But it sure make me a lot happier if I could feel it, wouldn't it, you? Yeah. And, and I do think there is feeling attached to what Jesus is talking about with blessing. But it's not completely about feeling. Before, for what many of the comments have already said, when you mourn, that's a feeling. That's a strong feeling. And he's talking specifically about those who mourn everything that separates them from God. But we know as people, and even Jesus would have experienced grief and mourning. We, he cried when Lazarus died. Yeah. I mean, we know he experienced that. But yet, blessing is, I love what Aaron said, is, is so much more about knowing this, even if I don't feel it. Yeah, yeah Murphy Leg says, I feel my heart stays true, but my mind battles. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's that's yeah. really good. I, that. I think we can we can all relate to that. And Melissa Gwynn follows that up with, when I feel comfortable, I get lazy about communicating with God. Mm-hmm. Now, yeah. don't we all communicate with God more in a crisis than we do yes. in in our daily lives? You know, so right now, I think people are probably communicating with God more than ever. Mm-hmm. But one thing I would like for us to realize is, 
our communication with God doesn't force him to act. Yes. You know, we can be praying. We can communicate. God has his plan. It's sovereign. He's going to do what, what he feels needs to be done. So it doesn't matter. We had a great, great thing Friday with Pray Chattanooga about praying over our city. God didn't instantly remove the coronavirus from our city. Right. Even though there was probably more people praying about that in mass than has ever been for something in Chattanooga, it just doesn't happen that way always. Right. And God has a plan. And that's where we really struggle is it would be so much. I would feel so much better if we all prayed and then some something miraculous happened on Saturday morning. We said, oh, well, it's just gone. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. but we don't get that feeling out of it. So we don't think we're being blessed. Mm-hmm. So, But I'm sure we're being blessed through our prayers right. from Friday. Uh, here's a really good one. We, we got into a little bit of the, the topic of fear and anxiety is uh, speak truth louder than lies that feeds our anxiety from Murphy Leg. You know, that speaking that truth, again, kind of what Josh said about the loudness of God's voice in the storm is that truth can overcome those fears and anxiety when we're not feeling it, when we're thinking, gosh, this is, this is, I really feel bad about this. I feel anxious about it. I don't know. We've had several people on this string this morning have talked about losing their jobs just this week. And where's my next paycheck going to come from? How does my unemployment work? You know, do I have enough to feed my family? And somehow we have to realize that God's truth is louder than all of that in our, in our lives. But that's a very difficult thing to do. Mm-hmm. Um, some great scripture passages. I've already showed, uh, shared the one from Josh. Uh, we were challenged by Leslie to share some passages that helped us through anxiety and fear. Uh, one that both Deidre and Aaron mentioned this morning is, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus from Philippians chapter 4. Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication. Another one of those is really easier said than done, though, isn't it? That's true. You know, I, I can trust God, but I'm not seeing it yet, God. Right. I'm not feeling it yet. And so, so we have to just absolutely rely on that trust and, and realize that we're spiritually bankrupt and there's nothing we can do except to rely on God, which is where we're supposed to be at all the time. Yeah. Helen Adams verse was from uh, Deuteronomy chapter 31. Be strong and courageous. Do not fear or be in dread of them for it is the Lord, your God who goes with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. Yeah. And maybe that's a good one to close on this. Yeah, point, yeah. Is that, that God is going to be with us. He's not going to forsake us. Even when it doesn't look good around us, uh, I think there have been some positive trends this week that things are are moving in a positive direction. I think we're seeing some better things for our community. However, that didn't help the people that so many this week that lost their jobs. That's true. And so, you know, don't feel that God has forsaken you. Uh, maybe the answer to prayer at the moment is just to wait and watch what he does for us. Yes, and I, I just saw a comment also from Daniel that I wanted to share the feeling of saying I'm blessed and feeling guilty about it is more of a pity thing. People don't like to feel pitied by someone else. That is so true. I, I think the tone and genuineness matters a lot when you say it. I would echo that a hundred times over. That, But we it also is about divorcing our definitions of blessing based on what we have versus what someone else has. And that is not easy for us, but that is what it looks like to be blessed and to share that in a way that's compassionate and helpful to others as we begin to change our own way of thinking, which is not easy and takes a lot of time, but we change the way we're thinking about what a blessing is. Well, I want to pray with you, and I'm so glad you joined us today. I hope you'll join us uh, next week as we're going to continue with the next beatitude. Um, We've got one more song we want to worship with you um, also. And if you would like to leave a prayer request, you can do that. The link should be in the description on the Facebook page or on our um, website. If you'd like to give, you can do that as well. And uh, we just invite you to continue to be with us. If you are someone who you want to experience this and you're ready, you're ready to, to not be empty and you're ready to find this, this blessing that we're talking about, I want you to know that you can do that. It is not about doing enough good stuff It is about simply asking God to be with you, to come into your heart and to to, that you believe that Christ died on the cross for you. You can experience that no matter what your background is, no matter what your past is, no matter what your history is, no matter what your current circumstances are. He simply says, trust me, rely on me. And if you would like to do that, I want to pray with you. 
And I want you to know that that doesn't mean all the bad circumstances in your life are going to go away, but it means that you're going to be okay through them, that God's going to be with you. And while it's hard now to be plugged into a church family, that is one of the ways we get through these hard times. Uh, And so we would love to connect with you in some way. If you want to send us an email or connect on Facebook, we would love to connect with you there. But but let me pray with you before before we do this last song. Father, God, I am thankful for all the ways uh, that you love us and you care for us. Lord, I pray that you would uh, be with those who are feeling empty right now at this moment. And in that moment, Lord, that you would begin to heal them of all of the brokenness that this world has brought into their life. Father, I thank you that Jesus was faithful to die on the cross and that he was powerful enough to rise out of the grave. And I pray that we would experience that in our lives today so that we would not depend on ourselves. We would depend on you. And in so doing, we would be what is truly blessed. We ask all this in Jesus' name.